Well, turn please to two passages of Scripture, John chapter 8 and Mark chapter 9. We're going to begin in John chapter 8, and then at the end of the message, we're going to flip over to Mark chapter 9. So if you'll put a a marker there or some way to get there, then we'll get there in in a moment. We are in a series entitled Elevate, Breaking Through to New Levels in Life. And we're talking about how to go to a new level in certain areas of your life. And we're covering five main topics. We've already covered two. We've covered faith and family. And now we're beginning a four-week series on freedom, how to go to a new level in the area of freedom. And the title of the message this week is The Bully of Bondage. And the reason I entitled it that is because bondage for the believer is a bully. Satan bullies us into bondage if we're a believer because we don't have to be in bondage, but many of us are in bondage. Now, I just want you to be honest with me, all right? And how many of you know a believer, a Christian, who has an area of bondage in his or her life? Can can I see your hand? Don't look at anyone right now, by the way, during this time, okay? And that's because Satan can still come into our life and deceive us, even though we believe in God in certain areas, and those areas can become a bondage for us. Satan is a liar, and he is a good liar. He is a very good liar. I'll show you how good of a liar he is if you look at the first lie he ever told. He came to a woman who was created in the likeness and image of God and told her that if she ate a piece of fruit, she would be like God. She was already like God. There was no one more like God than she was. And yet he came and said, if you do this, you'll have this. I want you to understand something. That's exactly what Satan does. Satan comes to believers and tells you that, literally, tells you that if you will depart from God in an area of your life, you will have something that you already have. I want you to think about this. How many people today are departing from God in the area of their marriage, and the reason is, is because Satan says, if you do it, you'll have joy. You already have joy. And you'll never have joy by departing from God's principles. Never. But that's how good of a liar Satan is. And so that's why bondage for a believer is a bully. Now, how many of you knew, and again, I'll ask you to raise your hand on this. How many of you, when you were in school, knew of a bully? Can I see your hand? Okay. How many of you were bullies in school? By the way, Steve, raise your hand. Okay. But, thank God you've gotten saved and you're not a bully anymore. Now, I was not a bully in school. Uh, I was very skinny growing up. And I, I hate to tell you some of this stuff because I tried to leave that, that painful past behind me. But I was very skinny and I had a big mouth. And so I met a lot of bullies. And um, <laughs> my father told me, if you'll stand up to a bully, he'll back down. That didn't work. Uh, he didn't back down. And so I developed my own strategy, and what I decided was that I would befriend the toughest, coolest guy in school. And his name was Gerald Gibson, and I became his best friend. I literally, just whatever he needed, I was there for him. And what happened was, I got that's how I got around the bullies, is because he was there. Now, again, I, I hate to tell you how, how goofy I was growing up, but I'm just, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I really... Kind of, there was a TV show that I related to a lot when I was growing up because of my relationship with Gerald. And that is, I really kind of saw myself as Richie Cunningham. <laughs> and my best friend was the Fonz. And if you remember that show, uh, about every two or three months, it was a recurring theme on Happy Days 
that Richie was going to get beat up by a bully. Do you remember that? It just, it, just, it didn't matter. It was, it, was, it, it was all sorts of different places. But some bully was going to beat him up, and who always showed up before he got beat up? The Fonz. Okay. In the spirit realm, Jesus is the Fonz. He is the toughest, coolest guy in the universe. There is no one tougher or cooler than Jesus. I want you to understand that, okay? And here's the great thing. If a bully, bullies used to say to me, someday, someday, Gerald's not going to be around. That was my Fonz. Someday he's not going to be around. I'm going to catch you alone. Thank God they never did. But here's the great thing. Satan might say to you, listen to me, someday Jesus isn't going to be around. Well, let me just tell you something. He's always going to be around because he lives in my heart. The bully is never going to catch me without Jesus. Now, here's the problem for believers. Sometimes we don't turn to Jesus. And that's how we get into bondage. So I want to show you some things about bondage today. John chapter 8, beginning verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Very famous verse, John eight thirty-two, Verse 33, they answered him, we're, we're Abraham's descendants. And have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Pretty strong statement. And a slave does not abide. Take this word abide and relate it back to in verse 31 where he said, if you abide. A slave does not abide in the house forever. He doesn't abide in the word because he has this bondage in his life. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, here's three things I want to tell you about bondage today. Number one, it is possible to be a believer and be in bondage. It is possible to be a believer and be in bondage. I asked you a moment ago if you knew any believers that had an area of bondage. And we have this concept that once you become a believer, you don't have any bondages in your life. But it is possible to be a believer and have bondage in your life. I asked some some preachers this week. Some, some pastors actually on our staff, I said to them, what does John 8.32 say? Because most people are familiar with it, but preachers are really familiar with it. So I said, what does John 8.32 say? And they, they all got it wrong. Every one of them got it wrong. Um, I, I, I even asked my wife. I, you know, I asked them, what does John 8.32 say? They said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And I'm telling you, that's a little bit wrong. They missed it a little bit. But I remember I asked my wife this week, and it was late at night, and I was still thinking about the sermon and uh, she's the only one that didn't respond the way the others responded. I said to her, what does John 8.32 say? She said, it's too late to ask me that question. So, but let me ask you, look, and this is an open book test. You can look at your Bible. What does John 8.32 say? Just, just say it out loud. What does it say? Right. You all missed it. It does not say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Because it does not begin with the word you. But every time we quote it, that's the way we quote it. And that's nothing wrong. I'm not trying to argue about it. I'm simply trying to make a point that it doesn't begin with the word you. It begins with the word what? And. I thought y'all said something else. And. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And you shall know the truth. Now, why am I harping on the word and? The reason is because there's a verse 31. 
And verse 31, you have to notice, even before you get to, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. Even before you get to that, there's something that most people miss. And that is this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. He's talking to believers. Then Jesus said to believers. If you believers abide or continue in the word of God as a believer, then you're really proving you're a disciple. And you disciples, you believers will know the truth and the truth will make you free. As a believer, you need to know the truth. It is possible to be a believer and be in bondage. Of course, their response is, well, we've never been in bondage. But here, here, then Jesus makes it clear. He said, most assuredly. Now, our version's most assuredly. The old King James, you probably remember this if you ever read the old King James. Verily, verily. Jesus used to say, verily, verily. Let me tell you what verily, verily means. Read my lips. That's what it means. He say, listen to me. Listen to me, guys. And he makes it real clear. Listen how clear he makes it. Whoever commits sin is in bondage, is a slave of sin. Now, that, that, that gets all of us, right? Well, but, let me explain something. It's not just whoever commits sin once or occasionally or falls. The word commits in the Greek there means prolonged or continuing. Here's what Jesus is actually saying. Whoever prolongs in a sin, whoever continues in a sin... Doesn't come to me. Doesn't repent. Doesn't try to turn away. But if you're prolonging or continuing in a sin, let me explain something to you. You are in bondage. That's what Jesus is saying. You are a slave to that sin. If you continue or if you prolong in a sin, you are a slave to that sin. Now, here's something to help you understand. How, how, how can I know if I'm in bondage? Well, let me give you one word that will help you to understand if you're in bondage or not. The word is chronic. Do you have chronic behavior in your life? Is there, is there something that is chronic? Do you have chronic financial problems? It's amazing how many people have chronic financial problems and don't believe there's, some, there's a spiritual reason behind it. Do you have chronic health problems? Do you, chronic. Are you chronic? Do you, uh, 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 many times do you get sick over and over again. Do you have chronic health problems? Not only one thing wrong with you, but lots of things wrong with you. That's demonic. There's a spirit there. There's something that you need to understand that you could be set free from. It's all through the Scripture. How many people, when they were healed, it says Jesus cast the spirits out of them. He took authority over the spirits. I'm not saying every sickness is is demonically inspired. I'm talking about chronic things. Do you have chronic relationship problems? If you have chronic relationship problems, listen, if you can't get along with people, it's not everybody else's fault. There's something in you. There's something, there, there could be insecurity or fear or rejection. There are demons in the world. There are still demons. You know, that I, I looked up the word demon, demons, demonized, and demon-possessed this last week in the Bible. And it's in the Bible hundreds of times, those words. And there are many Old Testament references to demons, many New Testament references after Jesus was on this earth. And somehow we just think that the demons just showed up when Jesus was here. And that they're not, they're not around anymore. Or that, yeah, there are still demons, but they're, they're all, uh, in Africa or some other country, you know. There, there aren't demons over here. Listen, there are demons in America. They just wear suits and ties. There are demons here. And they affect people. And they have a whole family. When they move in, they don't just, it's not, they, they bring their kinfolk with them. 
If you've got a spirit of fear, you probably have insecurity and inferiority and rejection and fear and maybe even anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and hate and malice and jealousy and envy. Am I getting, getting through to you? When they move in, they bring everybody with them. They bring a, a whole tribe with them. And they hold you in bondage. It's behavior that you want to break, but you can't. It's something you want to change, you want to quit, but you can't. You, you, you've confessed it a thousand times to God, and you've said you've asked Him to forgive you, and you've said, I'll never do it again, I'll never do it again, I'll never do it again, but you still lose your temper, and you still blow up, and you still say things you don't want to say. That's chronic. And let me tell you what we call it. We call it a bad habit. The Bible calls it bondage. The Bible calls it a stronghold. It, 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 is, it is the inability to change behavior or, or thought patterns um, it is the inability to change. We want to change, but we can't. And here's two other words that will help you understand it. It is compulsive or impulsive behavior. If you have a lot of compulsive or impulsive behavior, it's possible you have a, a bondage. Let me give you a, a, a definition. Bondage is any impulsive or compulsive behavior that restricts us from walking in the freedom and enjoying the blessings that Jesus died to give us. Bondage is any impulsive or compulsive behavior that restricts us from walking in the freedom and enjoying the blessings that Jesus died to give us. It's the inability to change behavior, habits, and thought patterns. Jeremiah 7, verse 8 says, Behold, you're trusting in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name. In other words, then come to church and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I even I have seen it, says the Lord. Here's what he's saying. You, you come to church, you attend church, but you still sin, and it's compulsive with you. You have these, these, these sins in your life that are holding you in bondage, yet when you come to church, you say, I've been delivered. I've been delivered because I come to church. I've been delivered. Here's what he says. He said, are you delivered to do these things? Do you think that's why I delivered you? Do you think that's why I came to die for you on a cross so that you could do, continue in sin? No, I, I, I came so that you could be set free. And many of you, if you would admit it, you have some compulsive behavior. You have a habit. It, it could be all sorts of things. It could be immorality. It could be lust. It could be anger. It could be some sort of drugs or alcohol or addiction. And you have some sort of compulsive behavior in your life, but you're trying to get your life right. That's wonderful. I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you there's hope for you. Jesus can set you free. He's not just your ticket out of hell into heaven. He's your ticket to freedom on this earth. But you're going to have to admit that you have a difficulty and there are demonic spirits that hold you in bondage. And we have freedom ministry here at the church where we take you through uh, uh, times of ministry and go back and do inner healing. Because spirits can come in when you have a, a, tra a trauma in your life. Spirits come in, can come in at that time. When you have addictions in your life, spirits can come in and they need to be cast out. Do you realize when I looked up these words demon and demonized and demon possessed and demons last Last week in the Scriptures, how, many, how much of Jesus' ministry He spent casting out demons? He casts out demons all the time. And we don't need to stop casting out demons in the church. I have a friend of mine that believes in casting out demons in the Spirit-filled life and, you know, all these things. And he went to missionary school. 
in uh, Costa Rica. And when he got down there, he met some missionaries from some denominations that don't believe in that, you know. So he was talking to this guy, and he didn't know. He just he was a hippie and got saved and went to Bible school and, and uh, didn't really understand about some denominations that, you know, don't talk about demons. And so he said to this guy, this guy in missionary school, uh, language school with him, uh, he said to him, you, you, don't, you don't cast demons out uh, of people at your church? And the guy said, well, no. And he said, hmm, you leave them in? <laughs> it just completely floored him that you wouldn't cast demons out at church. Do you, do you understand that the demons aren't fighting the lost people? They already got them. They're fighting you. They're fighting your marriage. They're fighting your health. They're fighting your mind. They're fighting you. I had a, was talking to a man one time and he said to me, I left my wife and I'm living in adultery with another woman, but I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I said, yes, and would you like me to tell you some of the spirits you're filled with? Because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with demonic spirits. Don't tell me. Do you understand how you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You continue to be filled. There's an initial baptism or filling, but you continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit as you yield to His influence. And as you yield to His influence, He begins to control areas of your life that you can't control. Now listen to me very carefully. It's the same with demonic spirits. If you yield to their influence, they will begin to control areas of your life. And you will want to get free, but you can't get free. Let me, let me read you a scripture. In, in Romans, Paul is talking to believers. Okay? He is talking to believers that are under grace, not law. This is what he says, Romans 6, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? He's talking to believers. Certainly not. Do you not know? Do you believers not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Even believers, if you submit, if you yield to demonic spirits and yield to areas of sin in your life, you will go into bondage. So number one, believers can be in bondage. Number two, it's difficult to admit you're in bondage. It's difficult to admit you're in bondage. Look at verse 33 of this passage. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants. And have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, uh, if you'll think about that statement, uh, you'll laugh here in just a minute. Because I, I want to I want to quote it to you again very slowly, and I want you to just think about this. Just think about this. All right. This is what they said: We are Abraham's descendants, and have never, never been in bondage to anyone. Have you ever read the Bible? (laughs) Maybe if you hadn't read the book, you saw the movie. (laughs) Listen, these people had been in bondage to everyone. They'd been in bondage to the Egyptians, the Chaldeans, the the Babylonians, the Grecians, uh, the Assyrians. And listen to this. Here's what's so amazing. When they made the statement... Come on now. Think about this. When they made the statement, they were in bondage to the Romans. They're in bondage right now. And they say, just like this, why, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. 
mean, their eyes are completely closed to this, that they're in bondage. Okay, now you say, oh, that's so funny. That's funny. That's funny. Christians do it all the time. You got hate in your life. You got unforgiveness, resentment. You got addictions. You got anger. You got insecurity. You got fear. You got lust. You got all this stuff in your life. Why, we're Christians. We couldn't be in bondage. Yeah, you're in bondage. Whoever prolongs or continues in sin is a slave of sin. Do, do, do you know why it's so hard to admit we're in bondage? You know why? Uh, well, let me, put, let me explain to you this way. Uh, let's say that um, I, I come up to you after the service and we're talking, and I say to you, uh, you, you, uh, you have a little uh, uh, lint on your, you, you know, you have a little fuzz here on your, on your suit. Let, let me get that off. And you pull back and say, I don't have fuzz on my suit. Christians don't have fuzz on their suit. I used to have fuzz on my suit, but I got saved, and I don't have fuzz on my suit anymore because Christians don't have fuzz on their suit. Now, you wouldn't do that because it's just fuzz on your suit, right? The reason you don't do that, you don't respond that way, is because it's on the outside of you. But the reason it's hard to admit you're in bondage is because that's on the inside, and you're very sensitive to it. And so if I come up to you and I say, uh, did you know you have some pride in your life? I don't have pride in my life. Christians don't have pride. See, there's a perception that because we're, we're Christians now, we can't have anything wrong with us. And, and some of you might even feel like, and here's, uh, listen to me, this is a lie. The devil might even tell you, you know, you go to that church and that church is just so powerful and so holy. And you, you go to the church with all the holy people and you're the unholy one there and you've got bad thoughts and nobody else in the sanctuary has the bad thoughts you have. And you might as well just stop going to that holy church because you're going to ruin the whole thing. That's the way the devil is. Well, let me just tell you something. You can just look around, and every, even though everyone's dressed up real pretty, everyone in here has had problems. You're not the unholy one in here. We're all the unholy ones without the grace of Jesus. So you've got to admit that you have a problem. Yes, you have a problem. But we don't like to admit it, and we don't like for people to point out things wrong with us. You know, you have some, you have some pride in your life. Thank you. Thank you. And anything else you see, please share with me. No, we just don't like that. Why? Because we just, we don't want to have it. But you'll never get free if you won't admit it. You have to come to the place that you will admit it, but it's very difficult to admit you're in bondage. The reason that we don't admit it is because there's shame and there's fear. And we don't want to say that. You know, if I said to you, uh, do you have any bondages in your life? This is the way most people respond. Well, I wouldn't call them bondages. I, I'd say that I have some weaknesses in some areas. Well, how long have you had those weaknesses? Forty years. It could be a bondage. So it's difficult to admit you're in bondage. Here's the third thing I want to tell you. It's easy to get free from bondage. Now, you would think because I said it's difficult to admit it, that I'd also tell you it's difficult to get free. But listen to me. It's not difficult to get free. It's not difficult to get free. Do you know Why? Because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus has already done it. It's not difficult to get free because not only has Jesus defeated the devil, but He's already defeated the devil. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose well, the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. He's already destroyed the devil. 
Pastor Jimmy Evans, about a month ago, preached the, the message, Living Among Lions, and talked about the things he learned about lions when he was in Africa. When I was there, I learned something else. The lion that roars the loudest is the old lion that doesn't have any teeth. And what he does is he goes around behind the prey and he roars and scares the prey into the mouths of the young lions. If you don't already know this, 2,000 years ago, Jesus pulled all of Satan's teeth. He doesn't have any more teeth. He's a liar and a deceiver. Let me tell you who does have teeth. There are some demonic powers. You yield to them. He'll go around and he'll scare you right into the mouth of these demonic spirits. And they will take you into bondage. Jesus is not impressed with the devil. He's not impressed. How, why would he ever be impressed? Let me show you a scripture. We'll get to Mark 9 in just a minute. Luke 10, verse 17. This is when Jesus gave 70 young baby disciples power over demonic spirits. Then the 70 returned with joy. Now, now watch what they said. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, really? Really? Wow, that's so cool. (laughs) You're telling me demons obey in my name? You think that's what Jesus said? No, let me tell you what he said. He said, guys, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, guys, I'm not impressed that that you use my name and demons obey you. They've been obeying me for thousands of years. I'm the creator of the universe. They're fallen angels. They do whatever I say. I created them. Even though they're rebellious, I'm still God. I can tell a demon to do anything I want him to do. He has to do it. Jesus, the only thing Jesus has to do to get a demon out of your life is say, boo. That's it. Because he has the authority. And then he goes on to say, he said to them, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know what he's saying? He's saying, guys, the big deal is not that demons obey you. The big deal is that you're on your way to heaven and you are on your way to hell. That's the big deal. Okay. Jesus has all power over demonic spirits. Now, let me show you Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Now, look at the power in these next four words. Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Now, there are a lot of things in the Bible that are funny that we miss. This is one of them. I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? Father runs up to Jesus. Jesus has just come down off of the mountain. He's been talking with Moses and Elijah and his father. Okay? He comes down off the mountain. Father runs up, this guy, and he says to him, I brought brought my son to him, this demon-possessed, brought him to your disciples. They couldn't cast him out. Jesus said, what am I going to do with you guys? What am I going to do with you? I mean, this is so easy. There's nothing hard about this. So he says to the father, bring him to me. Just bring him here. Bring, Bring the boy here. I'll take care of it. So he brings him here, and as he gets close, now get this, 
He falls down on the ground. He starts flopping all over the ground. Okay? He's flopping around. He's foaming at the mouth. If you read on, it says a crowd began to gather. Okay? All these people are running. I mean, they're, they're just totally freaked out. This guy's flopping all over there. Now, here's how I see the situation that day. I personally think that Jesus had an apple in his hand and a pocket knife. Okay? And this is what happened. This guy starts flopping all over, and he's foaming at the mouth, and Jesus does this. How long has it been like this? That, that's, I, just, I think that's hilarious to me. That's what he says. He doesn't say, oh my gosh, y'all hold him down. Jump on him. Let's get him real quick. Hurry it up. Cast him. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't freak out. There's no freaking out there. He's flopping all over the ground. Everyone's running. He's foaming. Ah, ah, ah. You know, he's foaming at the mouth. And Jesus says, how long has it been like that? Just as calm as he can be. Why? Because he's not impressed with the devil. He created him. Are you, are you catching this? Well, if he's, not cre- if he's not impressed with him, why would his children be? If he's not afraid of him, why would his children be? Verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both in the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now watch the second and third word here, what this father says. But if you, if you, but if you can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, here's again what I think happens. This father says to him in desperation, if you can do anything. And here's what Jesus says. If I, if I, if, if, if I can do anything. No, fella, you got it backwards. It's not if I can do anything. It's if you can believe. If you can believe, I can take care of it. See, listen to me. Jesus can take care of it. There's no problem on his part. There's no bondage. I'm telling you, this is why, but this is why bondage is a bully for believers. Some of you believe you can never get free from an addiction that you have. Some of you believe you can never change a habit or break a pattern or a sin that you have in your life. And here's what Jesus is saying to you. It's not if I can set you free. It's if you'll believe. This man did two good things. He brought, he came to Jesus and he believed. Now, let me explain something to you. If you're going to get free from bondage, you're going to have to admit it. And I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. You're going to have to admit it to someone on earth. Listen to me carefully. This is where most of us fail. Do you understand Satan works in darkness? As long as he can keep you hiding the bondage in your life, he has power over you. When you confess it, you expose it, you shine light on it, and you break about 90% of his power right there. Here's what the Bible says. Confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. Do you realize why so many people are not healed physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Because you won't confess to someone else that you're in bondage. 
You have to hear this. This is very important. If this man had just prayed and never gone to someone and said, we have a problem. I want to expose this problem. I want to uncover this problem. I'm telling you, many of you here have a problem. This is the reason that week after week, I I beg you, I plead with you, get in a life group. Get in a small group. Get in a group of people that love you and can help you and can pray for you and can minister to you. Don't just be a weekend Christian. Get involved in the church. Come to the classes. Get, go through our freedom ministry. Somehow, take another step and let us help you. Please understand, if you won't confess it to someone else, you, isn't it amazing that the Bible says, confess your faults to one another that you may be healed and you're still sick? And by the way, it doesn't say confess that you're sick. It says confess your faults. Confess your sins. Confess your bondages to someone else and you'll be healed. Please hear me. It's difficult to admit we're in bondage. I understand that. But I'm telling you, it's not difficult to get free. It's easy to get free if you'll open up and shine light on it and come to Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.